welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign settings in surprising and unexpected ways. I'm Benjamin, game designer and writer. And my name's Dane. I'm a dungeon master, a podcaster, and a voice actor. And this week's episode is a patron's pleasure podcast. Ooh, what does that mean exactly, Benjamin? That means that we serve at the pleasure of our patrons this podcast. Mm. And this episode's subject was chosen by our patrons in what we like to call the patron's pleasure poll. And so they get to vote and let us know of a few options, which one they'd like to hear an episode about. And this time they chose Clone. Clone. A science fiction idea that that has uh, permeated time throughout all time. There's always been a story of cloning, one of the the big big plot plots of yesteryear. It honestly sounds like you're trying to do an incredibly bad W.C. Fields impression. Ah. Hey, there, like, <laughs> hey clones, there, one of the <laughs> one of the classic science fiction. And you're going to love what we're talking about. <laughs> That's what I was going for, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I don't understand why you went for it, but you succeeded. And why don't you tell us about Clone, Dane? Oh, sure. Um, I'd be happy to. Clone is an 8th level necromancy spell available to wizards. Takes an hour to cast, has a range of touch, and a duration of instantaneous The spell text says, This spell grows an inert duplicate of a living creature as a safeguard against death. This clone forms inside a sealed vessel and grows to full size and maturity after 120 days. You can also choose to have the clone be a younger version of the same creature. It remains inert and endures indefinitely, as long as its vessel remains undisturbed. At any time after the clone matures... If the original creature dies, its soul transfers to the clone, provided that the clone is free and willing to return. The clone is physically identical to the original and has the same personality, memories, and abilities, but none of the original's equipment. The original creature's physical remains, if they still exist, become inert and can't therefore be restored to life, since the creature's soul is elsewhere. So this uh, fits right in with our last episode. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed you didn't do that whole thing in the W.C. Fields accent. But yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, an, it's, it's a really good... Um, and again, you've got a diamond as the... Material component, expend, sure. Expended material component here. You do also have to have this other separate 2,000 gold piece material component. But that's not destroyed by casting the spell. Only the 1,000 gold piece diamond is. And... So. A one cubic inch of flesh of the creature. Yes. Gross. Yeah. And what's really strange about that, that I'm only actually just now realizing, I hadn't thought of this before, is that the rules of spells in D&D say that if a material component doesn't have a GP value after it, you can substitute your spellcasting focus for it instead. So I guess, I guess this means you don't actually have to have it. No, Okay, this is something where I think there's multiple different rules 
hitting up against each other here in a way kind that's ir- irreconcilable yeah. because you're definitely not <laughs> supposed to just be able to clone any creature on earth because you have your spellcasting focus but it doesn't have a gp value and this would be the one spell where you have to have that material component even though it doesn't have a gp value so rules is written you can clone anything as long as you have the spellcasting focus but spirit of the game if we could call it that, it doesn't make sense. You need that almost that flesh seed. <laughs> I don't want to hear you use that expression for the remainder of this episode. Uh, no promises. You gotta have the flesh seed. <laughs> <laughs> that was the now, last time. Now don't though. come back. <laughs> Don't come back till you've brought me my flesh seed. I don't even... Okay, so I don't even have a real W.C. Fields impression. Like, every time I try and think about doing it, I go into Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, you did do, like, a weird, like, kind of southern thing instead of... But, to be fair, though, uh, my entire knowledge of W.C. Fields is based only on, on cinema at the cinema. So, I actually don't know how accurate that is to yeah. wc fields either mine's but. looney tunes i feel like they did some some wc Fields stuff anyway can, let's just agree that flesh seed is a thing we're not going to say again outlawed phrase later in this episode from now on i will okay. not say the word flesh seed great okay it's the last okay. time i say flesh seed expected uses i think the expected use is that the wizard who knows the spell clones themselves as soon as they learn the spell. And then as soon as they can afford to clones, every other member of the, of the party. I see this as an expected use for DMS to kind of get around a party, killing their big bad on turn one. That's great. Yeah. For 100%. sure. 100%. They're just like, no, 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 you got, you didn't do it. Sorry. Uh, this is, this is a comic book now and nobody really dies and everyone has a clone and <laughs> I, I can't handle it cause I was not prepared for that battle. It, it's good in two circumstances in, in, in that respect. And that one, you can just have them show up, like you kill them and then you just have them show up again later, or you have the, the location where the fight is taking place also where this clone is entombed or whatever. So, like, the party beats them, thinks it's all over, and then this naked version of the villain explodes out of a sarcophagus and is like, actually, no, (laughs) and starts blowing them up again. That kind of sounded like um, Christopher Lloyd right there. Yeah. Marty, (laughs) we need to get this diamond up to... Go ahead. That's all I had. No, that's all I had. All right, fine. Got to go back to the future with my cloning. Yeah. Um, I think that clone to me immediately says sci-fi it doesn't say fantasy so Mm -hmm. it it, knowing about this spell knowing that this is possible feels really weird in DD to me personally i get that but i will say to me what mitigates a lot of the sci-fi-ness of it is that this clone does not exist at the same time of you as you it's like a backup copy of yourself but it's not you can't clone yourself and then you're in two places at once. Which yeah, is you're, you're not of... breaking it open and having the thing be like, father. Right, exactly. It is an inert 
body basically slug. until you die. Yeah, and like it, it's a person slug golem, a flesh it's golem a, or something. It's yeah. a nothing. Yeah, uh, reminds me of uh, Venture Brothers. Do you ever watch any Venture Brothers? I saw, I think, like some of the first season or two. Never mind then. Hashtag spoiler. So oh boy. You got some unexpected outcomes for this, though. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I was struck by in reading this is that there's no maximum limit on the number of clones that you can have. And that combined with the fact that you can set your clone at any age means that once a wizard learns this spell, their number one goal should be to clone themselves in as many hidden places around the world as possible on the earliest possible version of themselves that they're comfortable with being so that, you know, they're functionally immortal. Like I die and then I just wake up somewhere else in the world naked, but fine. You have a little to-go bag right. there right. with, you know, your favorite shirt, a clone of your favorite shirt, a clone of your of your belt, and uh, maybe a, a spellcasting focus or two. Probably in all of these hidden locations, you do have stuff like, like you have whatever you want to wear, if you've got like an iconic outfit or something, I don't know, your spellcasting focus, and then maybe probably the material components for a few utility spells that you might want to be able to cast. Like if you've got a base, for sure, you keep the material components necessary to cast teleportation circle so that you can there just you jump back to your base. As soon as you come to life in your clone body, you know, jump back to, to where you came from. As soon as your soul flies from your decrepit corpse into your new, smooth, beautiful body. Another important part of that is that it's not limited to the plane that you're on. So, oh, that's a very so good once, point. So once, yeah. you get, once you get to this level, traveling across planes is not all that difficult. So if you're worried that the plane you're on might end at some point, you can always just jump over, dump one of these in a different plane, and then come back and do whatever you want to be doing. You really can safeguard yourself by just kind of putting copies of yourself kind of around the multiverse. Whenever you die, you show up in a different place in the multiverse and go from there. You're like, I really need to make friends in the city of brass so that I can come back on the, the plane of fire. Yeah, and so so the limitation here, of course, is that it's a very expensive spell. It's a thousand gold pieces in a diamond, and then two thousand gold pieces in whatever container is going to house the clone. I would guess if you go to any noble and say, "Hey, it's going to cost me six thousand dollars," but when you die, you're going to come back to life as like your twenty a twenty one year old version of yourself. They're going to pony up that six thousand dollars, and then you've got the amount to cast the spell on them. And the amount to cast the spell on yourself, and as as long as they're pony in that, yeah, you're you're uh, making two mud filled cysts in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really unfortunate phrasing that they put in there. It's not the most unfortunate phrasing we've had on this episode yet, though. Yet, yeah, that was a lot of time in the day. I like how they say that it needs to have a lid, a sealable lid, a large urn, a coffin, a mud-filled cyst in the ground, or a crystal container filled with salt water. I really like the crystal container filled with salt water. That's a really cool... It's very um, specific. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like these are the different ways that you can flavor this. Like, yeah. it's it's really just any container filled with whatever you want. If you want it gross, then put fill it with mud. If you want it to be kind of 
magical and and amazing than you do i mean that's just a glass sci-fi kind of deal the the crystal container so you can get this spell as a wizard once you reach 15th level my feeling is that if you're a wizard that gets to 15th level and you learn the spell there's really no reason you don't live to 20th level you cast it as many times as you can just like we were talking about you make sure that there are backups of you in as many different places as possible. Since it resets your life cycle as well, how old you are, you are functionally immortal. So it, it should be the case that any wizard that has ever learned the spell is... Never dies. Never dies. Never dies. Yeah. Now, how does this differ from lichdom then? I, I mean, liches... Liches are awful, right? They're they've they've sacrificed their life for for unlife to be able to live forever. Is is that just so that they don't have to worry about growing a clone for 120 days? Or I is actually it... don't. I I really I th- the existence of this spell makes me question why anyone would become a lich. Like I don't maybe being becoming a lich is something that's much easier than than becoming a 15th level wizard. In mm. which case, then it makes sense. Like, if you can just be, like, a third-level wizard and be like, screw this, I'm going to become a lich, like, then that makes sense. Generally speaking, I mean, I didn't read about liches before we did this episode, but in past editions, liches have always been really high-level spellcasters. You have to mm-hmm. be a really high-level spellcaster to even become a lich. With the existence of clone, I just don't see why you would do that. Being a lich, generally speaking, I think, requires you to sacrifice innocence to do it like you need to be killing you gotta people. be a real evil person yeah like maybe maybe it's just like well i'm evil i don't need to do this this mamsy pamsy cloning thing. but why would you want to be undead if you could choose right. not to be like it, it's just a weird like i don't want to be my 21 year old super hot version of myself i want to be the rotting corpse version of myself so i'll become a lich forever 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 this spell kind of ruins the flavor yeah, of liches. Right. I mean, the funny thing is, as I'm thinking about it, you're even actually even more vulnerable to true death as a lich than you are as a wizard with clone. Because of because the phylactery. If, right. Because if I'm a lich and somebody breaks my phylactery, well, that's it. I'm toast. Dunzo. If I'm a wizard and somebody destroys my clone, well, okay, fine. I've got a hundred others like in various places across the universe. One should hope. Good luck um, finding them. I think the biggest difficulty with this one is the 120 days. Three months? I think that... No, I'm sorry, four months. If somebody really got down to it and wanted to destroy this wizard and hunted down all of the cloning, all the clones, I think they could do it in three months or four months. I think they could they could kill all the clones in four months. If they found all of the locations, right. coordinated an attack, it would be very complicated. But I think you could you could do it. I've never faced a lich in game. I've never fought a lich. I've never run a lich. But it feels like that's the pinnacle of the campaign is destroying the lich, right? And there's more ways for a lich to come back. There's Am I wrong? Fewer ways for a lich There's to come few. back. Okay. With the so, flac- when the phylactery is destroyed, the lich stops coming back. How does so, one destroy a phylactery? I don't know. Okay. But we're talking about the difference between destroying a thing in one place. Yeah. Versus like things st- in multiple stuff places. potentially scattered across yeah. multiple planes on the universe. So like, I really yeah. don't know. So if you're just a edgelord jackass right. 
who's like, I, I like the bone aesthetic more. I'm going to do the lich thing because who, who needs, who needs the competition? What if it doesn't work? And, and all of these slugs do come to life and come after me. I can't handle that. I'm just going to be bonesman. You got to think about these things, Benjamin. It's important. It would be funny to have like a lich who became a lich and then realized the clone spell existed and was just like forever bitter that they became a lich because it's just like, oh, I could have done I this went with through a this spell. Whole yeah, thing. exactly. I went through my skin melted off of my face. You and almost, now they've got this? Almost I, a Gilbert Gottfried uh lich there, which was. would be a pretty fun voice to do for a lich. I gotta say, I was surprised. <laughs> They could just clone people now. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Dark, in all seriousness. Dark, but yes. all in serious. Yeah. Pa- passing of a, of a legend. Hey, everybody. Dane here. Just wanting to say thank you for all the support you've given us through your downloads, your messages, tweets, and of course, sharing the show with others. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow, along with you rating and reviewing Dispel Magic on whatever podcasting app you use. Benjamin and I would also like to invite you to pledge to our Patreon. You can vote there on future shows, receive weekly show notes, access monthly secret shows, and gain access to our patron-only Discord channel. Thanks again for listening, and as always, happy spelling. When I really dug into this idea that the clone spell creates this weird echo effect in that its existence kind of amplifies its own importance because you can repeatedly cast it and and make yourself this kind of weird forever reincarnating being that inhabits like kind of every corner of the multiverse. I thought of a few kind of plot seeds that people could use. Quantum Leap. (laughs) No? This is one of the many instances in which I think if you just w- were familiar with the source material that you're trying to reference, what what, do you, what is your understanding of the show Quantum Leap? What do you think happens in Quantum Leap? I think a guy leaps into different bodies. Yeah, and how is that like but the it looks spell? Like, but it looks like his body. To him. And there's a cigar guy with a Palm Pilot. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so you're right. It's like Quantum Leap. Thank you. So anyway, um, on to these plot seeds. So <laughs> the first one I thought up was a, re- was a really fun idea where you start the campaign with a kind of celebration. The campaign start. you're all first level adventurers and you're participating in a kingdom wide or even maybe larger than that celebration about a powerful malevolent wizard that's been defeated by a famous adventuring party awesome you're yeah. killing you're killing rats in the tavern so that the party can go on un, uneventfully and then in the following years one by one all those famous adventurers in that party are assassinated whoa once they're all dead the wizard revealed that they had survived and had restored themselves to life through a clone so now you have to go after the big bad from the beginning of the... Exactly. The big bad that you thought was dead from the very first session of the game, you have to go down, track all the remaining clones down, destroy them, and then kill the magician for good. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, that's not like 
Quantum Leap at all. It's, it's um, I'm glad you had that revelation on your own. You're welcome. That's what I meant by I'm glad. I like that idea for uh, it. It it's a very succinct campaign. It doesn't go on forever, right? Right. You've got you've got a number of adventurers who have to who have to die. And then the big bad shows up. You're sprinkling all these right. clues throughout. It, it sounds like a very well-rounded campaign. Yeah, I mean, because cause it, it's, it's got a way for you to get through the low levels of, like, you're actually just doing stuff while hearing about these adventurers dying. And then maybe, like, at fifth or sixth level, suddenly you play bodyguards to the last one to die. Yeah. That one gets killed. and that And then, like, the kind of revelation of the true arc of the re- remaining remainder of the campaign gets revealed. Uh, yeah, I think it would be pretty fun. Even actually just talking about it now is making me think that I'd love to write that. So if we inverse that now, if we think about what if instead you're running a campaign from the perspective of people hired by a powerful archmage to protect his clones, their clones, you can do a lot of fun things with this. The first is that it's an inverse of the normal version of Dungeons and Dragons, where instead of you going into dungeons to trash the inhabitants and then take their stuff, you are protecting a dungeon, essentially. I like that idea. You are the monsters waiting to destroy anybody who would come beat this clone or destroy these clones. And occasionally, your functionally immortal master is gifting you magic items to better defend his backups. And you can upgrade the dungeon as you see fit. You can be expanding and putting yeah. in traps and things. Yeah. So, like, if you wanted to experiment with home base mechanics in your 5e campaign, this would be a kind of fun, Jumping sub- off subversive way of doing that. Because instead of it being like a base from which you launch and do many good things, instead of base where you protect, maybe even for good reasons, but protect... This the motivation very powerful. Good. The motivation much different. Yeah. So it's more like it's more like the movie The Island then. Not not quantum leap. I will say, having not seen The Island, I'm more amenable to that uh, comparison than I am to Quantum Leap. Fair enough. I I wouldn't I wouldn't see it. It's fine. Okay. If only so that my reference holds up okay. to scrutiny. Sure. Pivoting away from those other options. I also thought it's a much different tenor of a campaign, but I also thought it'd be fun to run either an adventure or a campaign where there's a very ancient wizard who spent a lot of time ensuring that he had clones, he or she, or they had clones throughout the multiverse. They actually don't want to keep doing this anymore. They're done. They'd like to just pass. And maybe this is because of a religious experience they've had. Maybe this is because they're emotionally exhausted. Maybe this is because they found their true love and they just, and they need that kind of context of mortality. They're just tired. To, to, to make it all make sense. And so they don't even know. They can't yeah. even remember where all they've left clones across the multiverse. And so they hire your adventuring party to locate and destroy every single clone. It's a crystal egg hunt. You got to go find them, find them down and, and crack them open. Right. Or a mud cyst hunt. Ugh. Yeah, that's right. I, I really like this because it lets you have 
I mean, you could do anything with the end of it, too. Like, maybe at the last moment when there's only a few clones left, this person changes their mind and is like, actually, don't do this. And instead of it becoming like a physical fight, you have to help them come to terms with the decision they've basically already made for themselves or, or whatever else. I mean, it's just a totally different... I mean, D&D is maybe not the best... <laughs> system to use to explore no, this story this is great. but it I is a fun subversion of the of the usual that you do what you want with it right so if there is a clone on the ethereal plane or on the fate in the Feywild or something and it's not following the same rules as the rest of the planes of existence then suddenly you have like a ch- a more science fiction-y mm-hmm. type of idea here where you're fighting against the evil clone and it's it they've woken up and they have a, a, a shard of this this being spirit in them and they've decided they don't want to go quietly into that good night and they're going to take you out. So suddenly your benefactor has been twisted by whatever ethereal energies and and you have to take take this person out and it's uh heart-wrenching in a way if they've been guiding you this entire time you know yeah i do think it would be fun there to be a clone in the feywild where at some point when he died or at some point when that wizard died that clone woke up too and also believes they're the primary one and doesn't want you to go destroy all the rest of the clowns it doesn't even necessarily have to be that they're violently willing to coerce you into not doing it it's just then whose wishes do you honor honor it's pretty tough stuff that's a that's a fun one you talk here about not necessarily cloning people right you you talk about you can clone anything with flesh Really, if you really think about it, if you got that inch of flesh. The most extreme idea I had from this, actually, the mo- the thing I immediately thought of when I thought of an inch cube of flesh was creatures that might not notice you taking an inch cube of flesh. And the only thing I could really think of that might not notice you carving off an entire cubed inch of flesh was a Tarrasque. Why do you say that? Just because they're so huge and they're, tough? Well, they're huge. They regenerate. So... If you deal whatever damage it would take to shave off an inch cube of flesh, uh, that would get regenerated at the start of the next turn. Like within six seconds, that's gone. It's like a mosquito bite for people. Would you then need a Tarrasque-sized vessel to hold this thing in? Or would you just clone a Tarrasque to be a young version so that you don't have to worry about... I assume that this... They didn't take into consideration the exact parameters of the spell because all it says is that this thing has to hold a medium creature, has to be large enough to hold a medium creature. That makes sense. So even though it's a Tarrasque, all you need is something that can contain a medium sized creature. So you cut that one inch cube off of a Tarrasque, you put it in your medium sized container. Within 120 days, whenever that Tarrasque finally dies, you've got a Tarrasque and wherever you Whatever you put oh, that. that's right. The other Trask needs to die. Yes. Yeah. So that's a really important part. So that, that's where like the it's its usefulness for a Tarrasque is limited <laughs> in that you then need to kill the Tarrasque. Notoriously a difficult thing to do. Notoriously a difficult thing to do. But if you were a very high level wizard who was bored and you wanted a Tarrasque on a leash, an easy way you could do this is... Shave a cubed inch of flesh off of a Tarrasque, run like hell, cast the spell, go put the, cast the spell inside of a demiplane. That's an important piece of this. Cast the spell inside of a demiplane. And then 
go kill the Tarrasque. Now, just with the, go the, ahead and go kill it. Yeah. The way the Demiplane spell works is that you can only open a portal to it if it's a Demiplane you created, or if, I don't know, you know it somehow or something. I didn't read the Demiplane spell again before I we did this. But essentially, this lets you have an on-demand Tarrasque drop. You have to be very powerful to be able to do all this in the first place, to be able to shave the Tarrasque, to be yeah. able to like cast Demiplane to be able to cast the spell, to then be able to go back and kill a Tarrasque. But if for some reason all that power wasn't enough and you just wanted to be able to drop a Tarrasque on your enemies, maybe just to make a point, <laughs> this does allow you to do that. I gotta say, Benjamin, this all sounds like BBEG's kind of stuff. This is this is bad guy kind of energy going on here. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny idea because maybe you save one plane from the destruction of a Tarrasque just so that you have a Tarrasque to drop on your enemies in a different plane. You all think you got away with it, didn't you? But you didn't! I have another one set up! <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Who'd that sound like? I don't know, actually. That's, uh... that's an original character. Okay, very good. Dude, hey, thanks. That's the voice acting coming out. Hey, and there's the voice acting. Next oh. time I'll do Peter Lorre. I, I like doing Peter Lorre. Okay, all right, good. I don't know who Peter Lorre is, but that's good. You'll recognize him. This seems like a much more complicated and expensive and long-winded way of casting Raise Debt, Revivify, all of these life-giving spells uh, that we've talked about in mm -hmm. a previous episode. What do you see as making this more advantageous because you've got it ready-made in other areas and it doesn't rely on another person? That's definitely a huge benefit is that there doesn't need to be anybody to bring you back. It's just a guaranteed thing that it's going to happen. Another really important thing is that you reset your age. So those other spells don't bring you back to life if you died of old age. This, even if you die of old age, you then return to your clone body, which is only 21 years old. And then you have another whole life ahead of you. So a little bit more forethought, but a lot more secure. And once you get, I think, Resurrection, a 7th level spell costs 1,000 gold pieces. This is going to return you to life with all your limbs, everything. Uh, I presume, I guess, without disease, because it's a whole new body. So you ditch all that stuff, and it's on the lower kind of end of the cost spectrum, or it's a, or it's a moderate cost. Something I'm a little disappointed about is that you can't make a clone army, which, yeah, of right. course, is something that when you're talking clones, ah, oh, go to. Make a clone army and march them into whatever ugliness you want. Yeah, I mean, I can't see a way of that being balanced in in D&D. &D. Like, if you could create kind of consecutive, multiple, co-occurring... Conscious copies. ...versions of yourself. Um, that like wasn't quantum limited, leap. That wasn't... <laughs> That mm -hmm. <laughs> that wasn't what that really threw you. Wow! I'm about to, I'm about to say flesh seed again. That's how upset oh, I am. No, Benjamin, don't. So I don't think there's a way to make multiple co-occurring versions of yourself balanced. Uh, but yes, I mean, I kept on thinking about clone armies as I was writing this and thinking like, and then remembering, oh yeah, the clone army is like a clone army of backups. It's not. You're not going to at some point trigger this huge number of versions of yourself or of the creature you cast this on. You're just, just a bunch me, of backups of you. 
of you. I, I wonder why they didn't create something similar to that where it's not you specifically. It's more of a, I guess they've got homunculus. I guess they've got, you know, flesh golems, but. I mean, clone lets you copy anybody. No, I'm I'm saying to create the more traditional clone army type idea. Oh, okay. Some 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 way of of being able to do that. Right. I I think it's that in general, five e more and more, it's trying to find a way to have this work. But five e and the, at least in the beginning was very shy about summoning spells and and how those would work and pet classes and and anything kind of similar to that. It, it was very. Concerned. Things that you could control, right? Other it, units yeah, you can exactly. control. Exactly. It was very concerned about you having kind of multiple places on the board at any given mm-hmm. time. Well, if you folks can think of any other uses for clone or how the spell clone would affect your world, please let us know at Dispel Magic Pod on Twitter. Benjamin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sterling Vermin or on the internet at SterlingVermin.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dane in Danger and also my Quantum Leap fan site, DaneLovesQuantumLeap.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again after your next long rest. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter at Dispel Magic Pod. You can find Benjamin at Sterling Vermin and Dane at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dane Fox McGraw. Ziggy! Ziggy, get me out of here! Is that a thing?